welcome back to the latest episode of Puncher's Chance with Pinnacle, the podcast that covers boxing betting from every angle. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, and as usual, I'm joined by the main men when it comes to breaking down the big fights and identifying the betting value. It's Tom Craze and Andy Clark. How are we, chaps? Good, thanks. Good. Very well, thanks, Chris. Nice, nice. Now, um, we can't get stuck into uh, this episode, I suppose, without looking back at the last episode and... I know the aim of this podcast is to provide our listeners and kind of pinnacle customers with the edge in their boxing betting, but three directly correct predictions through the team last time out has to be a, has to take a mention, I guess. And uh, Fury and Six, Stevenson on points and Taylor on points as well, which two of which are actually against the odds. So extremely good work from uh, from from you boys and, uh, and from the team. So uh just a bit of a congratulations on that. So uh, no, no pressure on uh, on this episode at all. But I know Tom was for a, for a little bit of a, a little bit of praise, so we've uh, we're giving it early calls. No, I said a raise, not praise. No. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, now, I mean, no surprises on uh, on this episode where we're going to start. I mean, the Canelo Alvarez roadshow kind of goes on this week. I suppose he takes on Dimitri Bivol in what is many predicting actually is going to be potentially one of his toughest fights since uh, since Golovkin, I suppose. But the odds actually don't agree that it's going to be a particularly close or tough fight if you kind of read into the percentage chance of both of these. I mean, it is a risky assignment for Canelo, but um, Pinnacle got got the Mexican priced up at 1.18, which is around about an 80% chance of victory. Uh, Bivol sits at around about 5.0 at the minute, which is just a 20% chance of victory, which is which is very slim. Now, Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, this is obviously a risky fight, as a lot of people are predicting for Canelo and been looking through certain aspects of it this week. And Bivol's coming in with just 19 fights in his pro record, albeit he's a very experienced amateur. I know that with kind of a boy has a bit of a staggering amateur record, to be honest, uh, up there with kind of your Lomachenko levels nearly. Um, but as a pro, last two wins aren't exactly pound for pound level stuff. A points win over Craig Richards and a points win over Uzmar Salamov, who listeners possibly won't even be aware of. Um, but the Bivol backers will probably point to. Uh, I suppose his wins over Joe Smith Jr., Jean Pascal, plus seemingly the physical advantages that he holds over Canelo. But is that going to be enough to kind of, I suppose, firstly be competitive with Canelo, and secondly, is it going to be enough to actually actually beat him? I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, and with somebody like Bivol, well, this this is true of any fight, but particularly with somebody like Bivol, you need to just strip back what people kind of decided he was when he blew away Trent Broadhurst in a round and look at what he actually is because he's not a big light heavyweight as, as you alluded to there. He's, he's made noises in the past about being able to get down to super middleweight for, for big fights. I don't think he could personally. It's, it's seven pounds. It's quite a lot. And when you see him around fight weeks and I have done a few times when he's out of camp and he's walking around weight, he's, he's pretty big. But he's not a murderous puncher. Where When he knocked out Broadhurst, it was a strange knockout. Um, it was a well-placed punch. Uh, and people at that point were kind of talking about him being that single punch knockout power kind of merchant and somebody who would go on to dominate and be on that pound for pound list because he'd won a world title at 11 or, or 12 and 0. And they looked at the amateur record. Most of that's in, in domestic Russian competition. Um, and people seem to have been a bit disappointed with what he's done since. But if you actually look at his record, what he's done since, by and large, has been pretty good. I mean, he's barely lost a round. 
Um, and he's been in with some with some good fighters. The win against Joe Smith Jr. looks better with with age. And although you could say it was unspectacular, he, he had him under control comfortably. He's a good boxer. He's a really good boxer. And I think that's what he needs to do against Canelo because he's not this massive puncher. And we all know that, that Canelo's got a, a serious set of whiskers on him. And it's not like he's going to impose any huge size advantage either because, like I say, he's not a massive light heavyweight, but he is a really well-drilled, well-schooled, good boxer. And I think that's what he's going to need to do in this fight. And maybe that'll take Canelo by surprise a bit. It's not like he isn't a good, well-drilled, well-schooled boxer, but I think that's the kind of fight that we're we're going to get. There's no way Bibble's going to go in there and set his feet square and slug it out because that just just isn't what he does. Um, I just find it difficult to pick against against Canelo in a distance fight over twelve because I think he's just got that menace and that power that he'll be able to he'll be able to get to you. To be honest, I don't think the size is a thing in this fight. To to, to be perfectly uh, to be serious about it, because I think one six eight is probably Canelo's best weight now. You're not coming up too far above that, and you're in with a guy for whom, as a, as I've said, I'm repeating myself now, but for whom you know he's not a massive suit, you know, light heavyweight, so that's not really his thing. I think this will be a boxing match, um, and I think it may well be pretty even up until about halfway. But I think Canelo down the stretch or or just just get away from Bivol most likely. Yeah, like you alluded to it there, and it's. Uh... It's a thing with these, like a pattern I see with these Canelo fights of recent times where he kind of, like, I wouldn't say loses early rounds, but these, the early rounds are kind of competitive where he'll, you won't really be able, he won't really pull away. But as soon as he seems to go past this middle stage mark of kind of round six, seven, seems to put his foot on the gas and really, you know, start fudding the punches home. And he done, he's done, I think he's done pretty much exactly that in his last what kind of four or five fights, very similar pattern in the Callum Smith fight. I think I think this will be slightly different though, because yeah. his, his one previous fight, a light heavyweight was was Kovalev and he stopped him in the 11th. And, and any stoppage in my book is an emphatic win, whatever point of the fight it happens at, because that's what you're in there to do. But yeah. he was down on two cards at that point, 96, 94 and two cards. Enzo Maku, I was doing the fight with, had him 96, 94 down. And that was a completely fair reflection. He didn't panic and he got the stoppage. But those other ones that you mentioned, um, those have been the kinds of fights where at halfway, maybe the opponents won a couple. You could maybe give them a couple. So they're kind of in it, yeah. but actually they're not. You yeah. know, Saunders was never in that fight. The, the fight I watched, he was he was, he was, was never in it. No. Um, it was just a matter of time before Canelo turned the screw and did what he did. That wasn't yeah. really the case against Kovalev. I don't think it'll be the case against Bivol. I think we'll get to halfway and it'll be tight. And you'll be thinking to yourself, oh, this is interesting. Like, the, the, yeah. We're not necessarily just going to see Canelo overdrive and he'll, and he'll, there, there won't be a sense of inevitability about it, I don't think, although I do, <laughs> although I do think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, it is a fascinating one because I, I kind of agree with that as, as well. Like, Tom, I, I mean, I go to you in terms of the odds, uh, the bookmakers obviously installing Canelo as a heavy favourite, Pinnacle have got him at 80% chance for the victory. Um, it's, I'm trying to weigh up why the, like the, the the reasons for that. I mean, Bivol you know, hasn't really beaten an elite level fighter as yet. Um, and I know that, like we said, touch point with Andy, he's kind of, you know, he's got the potential to do that, but he hasn't done it yet. I haven't really seen him so far in his career fight, particularly on the inside that much. And Canelo can fight on the inside very well. Um, is that probably looking at how it's going to play out is it is it kind of 
similar judgment to what Andy's thinking, where it's going to be even after the halfway mark and maybe Canelo steps on the gas a little bit? Or do you kind of agree with, I wouldn't even say agree with the odds because the odds are obviously in, you know, an outright win. So it's going to be as long as Canelo wins, you get, you get paid. But do you, do you see any value in backing Canelo at their odds or do you maybe even see a bit of value in, in backing Bivol? It's really tricky in terms of the outrights because it's, it's very hard to make a case for how Bivol wins apart from outboxing Canelo and getting a decision on Cinco de Mayo weekend in Las Vegas, which we know about. Um, we'll get on to that in a minute. <laughs> and, it, and it's Canelo and he's got a third Golovkin fight set up and it's the launch of his own pay-per-view and, 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 and Bivol is Russian with everything going on and every kind of political slice that could possibly be set up against Bivol is weighed against him this weekend. And that's not to kind of factor in the fact that Canelo is just really, really good. You know, it's... It, in addition to all of that stuff that Bivol has to overcome to get a fair crack here, he's fighting the pound for pound number one, who's already shown that he can go up to light heavyweight and knock out a very capable guy in Kovalev. Obviously, it wasn't the, the prime Kovalev, we know that. Um, as Andy said, Bivol's good enough to box with Canelo to keep it quite tight and and to even win. You know, if this was fought at, you know, York Hall or strip away the nationalities and it was, it was, you know, completely neutral territory, completely independent. You would not make Bivol a four to one underdog. You just wouldn't, you know, he's, he's got more than a 20% chance, but boxing isn't just decided inside the ring, particularly when it comes to betting and the, the prices are what they are. And I think the prices here factor in the fact that it is Canelo more than they sometimes do. Yeah. And Sometimes you, you look at bookies' odds and they don't quite factor in all the, the intangibles that the, someone might have, whether it's at their house prior to their fighting in the home city, that, you know, it's the first fight of their promotion. All of these kind of things that potentially might just add a little bit more. I think that has been put into Canada's price this time. And I think I wouldn't be, you know, if, if someone said back one of these two fighters, yeah, I, I don't think four to one would do it for me on Bivol because I, I just think he's got a mountain to climb, but he is good enough as a pure boxer to give Canelo everything that he can deal with, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, I've got this kind of suspicion with Canelo where um, I was I was actually ringside at the Mayweather-Canelo fight, actually, and um, it was, other than being a great, you know, spectacle and experience, and that fight gets kind of more popular by the day as such to be to have been rings like that. I and I know he was young, but I still do believe that Canelo can be outboxed. So I think that there is an like I notice a pattern in these fights where there is kind of a I'm not going to say it's definitely not a weakness by any means, but there's a when you've watched so many fights as us guys have, you, you can kind of sometimes notice trends, and I've got a feeling that someone who can kind of stick and move in that kind of style is the style that would be able to be. And people used to say about Billy Joe Saunders that Billy Joe Saunders was never going to beat a Canelo because he just wasn't strong enough, not powerful enough, not going to be able to keep him off for 12 rounds. Whereas someone like a Dimitri Bivol probably does have that power to be able to keep him off. I would have thought so. Um, whether he can apply that correctly or not against the style of Canelo because Canelo generally takes away your best assets which is what you know pound for pound top fighters do is probably another another intriguing thing which makes it a you know a very very interesting fight in my book I mean we'll move to 
kind of talking about, which you guys have touched upon already, and that is, I suppose, is betting, you know, against the, the cash cow, as we say in, in boxing terms. I mean, this is one of them fights, and Tom, you touched upon it there um, quite a lot, where basically everything factors into Canelo's favour, and it's an important factor when you are betting on a Canelo fight, whether it's against Dimitri Bibo or kind of anyone of late that you need to factor that into your into your betting odds and into your betting as such. And looking at, you know, Canelo in this, I mean, he's gonna he's technically the home fighter, as we say. Um, I know he's Mexican and he's fighting in, in Las Vegas, but technically the home fighter and the influence that he has. I mean, if these rounds are close with Bivol, as a lot of people are predicting, if people are going to bet on this fight, and I know a lot of people would be considering the, the fight to go the distance, it seems quite a popular bet at the minute. Do you think that Bivol's just got no chance whatsoever? Would he need almost like a knockout to get a draw, as we say? I don't think it'd be quite as bad as that, but but he would need to... You'd think he's going to need to win 8-4 to, to, to get the win. And even then, that might not be quite enough because I, I do expect that, that rounds would be close if it goes down the stretch and we get to the end of 12 and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, wow, this is tight, then it'll be because there are a number of, of close rounds. And with Canelo, as you mentioned before, the way he goes about it is he stalks and he menaces and he looks and he probes confident that he is going to get to you and he's going to take you out. And that's what he did against Kovalev, but he needed to, like we said, we, he needed to because he was in trouble on a couple of the, on a couple of the cards. Bivol's got to be incredibly effective defensively. He can't let body shots through that can tenderize him for later on. He's got to be on point in, in, in every single possible way. And I just think in those, in those tight rounds, even a big booming body shot that's only mostly taken on a forearm, you know, particularly in America, judges do like the man who's on the front foot and coming forward. They just do. It's, it's something we talk about a lot. It's, it's something that drives me insane because you just got to look for what lands. That's all that matters. Yeah. But I do, I, I mean, I, I do agree. I find it, I think it's a hell of a job to win on points. I don't think there's any prospect of him knocking Canelo out, but it's kind of sad in a way that we're, we're having this conversation because, but this is just the reality. This is yeah. just the reality of, of yeah. the sport. It, it is very difficult to see Bivol winning on points. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, Andy. That, I mean, Tom, do you kind of agree with that? And I know you've touched upon it you know, slightly already, that is there any way that Bivol does not Canelo out? Or is it simply a case of he's going to have to win, you know, handsomely every round or, you know, close to it to be able to nail down the decision here? No, I mean, you can never rule out a... Not a knockout completely. You know what we know is that from the evidence, Canelo has a iron chin. He's taken Golovkin's best shots. He's taken shots super middleweight at light heavyweight, and he doesn't tend to budge. Bivol can be a good counterpuncher. He's not. Uh, you know, he's not a um, Baturbiev. He's not a Kovalev in terms of power. But I, it's very difficult to see. I, you know, it's it's like we were saying the other day at uh, the last time out with. Fury and White, you know, anyone can be knocked out if you catch them right, if you counter them with a shot they just don't see. But if you're looking at the the kind of the record of work to say, is Bivol likely to be that guy? I think 
No, I don't. I don't. You know, I, let's be let's be honest. I don't see Canale being caught by a shot he doesn't see. He knows he's too good for that. Yeah. I think the guy that does stop Canale would be someone like Peturbiev, potentially, if they would kind of stand in the middle of the ring and trade. And the other guy just had too much artillery. I think that's the the chance that Canale might get kind of into a sticky situation at light heavy. And I don't see it coming against a guy who's. And I don't think it'll be Bivol's game plan. I think Bivol's strategy will be there to go and, and take Canelo's weapons away and to try and keep him on the end of the jab and to try and just stay out of harm's way, be defensively responsible, which he's very good at doing, and just win widely enough to get the decision. And whether that's 8-4 or 9-3 or 10-2, I think that will be his, as, as Andy said, conversely, that's his best chance of winning, but it's very hard to see him doing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, the um, I mean, before we make our kind of official fight predictions as such, to kind of flip, reverse what we've been talking about, obviously with Bivol having a chance to, you know, stop Canelo, etc. I'll go to you, Andy. In terms of if people are um, looking to bet on, you know, the stoppage, I'm, I'm sure people will be favouring a, a Canelo stoppage, possibly, and we haven't really kind of touched upon too much about that. Are you seeing? Do you think this fight is is a distance fight? Do you think it's like a, I wouldn't say a shoe in, but heavily favoured to go the distance? As I mean, the odds do suggest that, but there's also, I think he's round about kind of you know three four to one to kind of get a stoppage in the second half of the fight. Canelo, do you think that could potentially be kind of value there that he does he does do his you know his usual work of stepping on the gas from seven and kind of gets Bibble out of there a little bit like he done. You know, like he has done, sorry, in his in his last few fights, and I mean the fight with Plant recently that followed an exact same trend. So, do you think that do you think it's going to be the same again, or is it going to be a case of a points victory? I think it's points personally, but you can't you can't rule out that late stoppage because he's just done it so often. The only person he's not done it to at super middleweight or light heavyweight is is Callum Smith, um, who never looked in any particular trouble against yeah. against Canelo, although he did sustain some serious uh, damage. Um, but it was difficult for him to really win any of the any of the rounds. So, yeah, I do, I do see points, but at the same time, if we get towards the end and it's and it's close, or if Bivol maybe feels that he's slightly behind, but he's still in it, then he might need to open up a bit, and then things can change, and then that can that can leave that opportunity, leave that leave that opening. I mean, it, it's. He just has to, it, for, for him almost, it's one of these missions where you just think, okay, I know all of this stuff is stacked against me, but I've just got to forget about that, devise the best game plan we can, execute it as well as I can. And if I come out of that ring feeling like I've done enough to win, or that if it had been somewhere else in the world, I might have got it, and I don't get it, then that's just life. And yeah. I'll get props and I'll get the credit. I might not get the win. He can't think in any other terms in any other terms than that. But I do see points myself. Yeah. I mean, go to you, Tom. Do you see a kind of similar pattern? I know that um, you talked up a little bit about stoppage earlier. Do you think that this fight does go the distance or do you see a way where Canelo could potentially potentially break him down? Or even I've seen, I mean, I know Eddie Hearn has to sell his own descriptions, uh, subscription, sorry, but he thinks that it's going to be a shootout. I mean, supposedly they're going to come and stand square in the centre of the ring and trade. I mean, I can't see that myself, but is there a chance it happens? If Is Bivol's chance to beat Canelo maybe to come out early and try and, you know, go after him as such? Uh, well, it might be, but I don't see that happening in, in a million years, frankly. Um, I think I'm with Andy. Uh, it's kind of not exciting that I I kind of say the same as, as Andy's just done there, but I think the decision 
is most likely, and I think it's a little bit of value potentially as well for um, odds on backers. I, I saw the decision at at one point. Uh, well, it's a decimal, so one point six seven, about four to six, eight to eleven. Um, so kind of one point seven. I think that's okay. Uh, I think if I was pricing up the fight myself, I would. I wouldn't have been surprised actually to see. Canelo Bivol open at you know 1.57, 1.5 even. Um, it's about eight to fifteen for the Canelo decision. So for that to be, you, you've got a little bit of um, of room to manoeuvre there if you're if you're co- kind of comfortable with backing shorter prices. I think um, it's always tricky when you start bringing judges into the equation. But the unanimous decision I saw um, five to four, um, two point two five. I think that's okay. I think it will be a, the type of fight that if Canelo does win, I, I, I don't really see judges favouring Bivol um, to a point where he would. it would be a kind of a, a split or majority. I think if Canelo wins, he'll probably win quite wide. <laughs> no, I'm going to rephrase that. I think there's a chance that Canelo could start kind of pounding away um, to the body potentially in the second half of the fight. I think... and. It, in that sense, it could remind me of the Callum Smith fight, where you have quite a defensively um, astute guy who who is on the ropes, which is not where they want to be. But it's either that or open up and potentially get stopped. I think Chris, you mentioned the Canelo in the second half of the fight, um, yeah, five point five, but nine to two. Yeah, I mean that could be a big price because I think if the stoppage comes, it would be then. Um, but yeah, I I think most likely certainly is the um, is the decision, and I don't hate the price either. Yeah, no, I think the uh, kind of pretty well split across the board. I mean, we'll go to, we've pretty much touched on it already, but we'll go to our fight predictions. Andy, I'll go to you first. I take it you're going to be Canelo on points. Am I, am I wrong? No, no, I'll, I'll go for Canelo points, um, unanimous decision. And Tom, I think you're pretty much exactly the same. Am I correct? Yeah, I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit and say kind of maybe 8-4 in rounds, 116-112 type territory, maybe a little bit wider. Once You always kind of get a, a one wide card these days, it seems. 116-112, um, 117-111 Canelo. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it'll be a, um, I don't think it'll be quite as one-sided as the Callum Smith fight, but I see it following a, um, a similar trend to that where Canelo's fairly dominant with a few rounds kind of lost, as we say, but I see, I see a Canelo points winning fairly, fairly comfortably on the card. I mean, we'll move on to the next fight that we'll cover, which is a cracking fight that I've been looking forward to since it was announced, to be honest. And that's George Cambosis Jr. versus Devin Haney, the unified lightweight world championship on the line. Uh, since I mean, Cambos is sensational last time, wasn't he? Against uh, Tiafimo Lopez, like a total against the odds win. Um, I think we covered that one on the podcast before, Tom, and no one gave uh, Cambos a, a shout in that fight. And he he come through and he come through it well, proved that he was a a world level fighter. And I mean, the fight for against Haney, it's in it's in Melbourne this time, so he's going to have home advantage. Probably could be argued that it's, I mean, possibly the biggest fight in Australian history. Certainly one of them. Um, I mean, the odds are a lot closer than the Canelo fight for this one. And I'm really looking forward to getting your guys' opinions on this because I think it might be a bit more contrasting than the Canelo kind of fury debates that we've had on the last on the last couple of fights. I mean, Cambosis is the underdog odds of 2.54 
Haney sits at 1.54, which is a fairly substantial favourite, even though Convosis is quite quite not short, but kind of not too far out on the odds himself. Um, Andy, I go to you first. What's your general kind of take on this fight, and how do you see it playing out? Because Cambosis, after that win that I just mentioned there against Seafimo uh, Lopez, totally against the odds. I didn't expect that. Um, Tom didn't expect that, and I don't think many people expected that. So, do you think that after you know winning that fight, and he has looked you know fairly comfortable against the likes of Lee Selby and stuff before? Do you think that he has now arrived at a, at a I wouldn't say an elite level, but he's definitely a world-class fighter and with home advantage, do you give him a chance of beating Haney? Yeah, absolutely. You have to. You have to. Um, he's an undisputed champion. Um, you know, we all know that Lopez really was an undisputed champion despite all this other nonsense with the WBC. The, the good thing about this fight being made is that whoever wins this, nobody will be able to say that they are an undisputed champ. So that, that was a massive win for Cambosis. And Lopez, okay, you hear afterwards that there were problems behind the scenes, that the weights may be too much of an issue now. And I saw him Fury Wilder fight week and he was in great shape. But there's no way he was weighing nine stone nine. I don't know what he would have been at that point. But I remember looking at him and just thinking, where's that weight coming from that he's got to lose? Because he was he was yeah. pretty ripped. Um, but you just have to give props to the winner. You you can't you can't forever be looking at what the the loser, particularly if they're the favourite, didn't do or what might have happened here, there and everywhere to take their focus away. It was a fantastic performance from Cambosis, who I liked a lot when I met him in London when he when he boxed against Selby. I believed his confidence then. He was yeah. he was very, very confident in, in a very Australian way. Um, but I but I bought it. I, I thought it was it was genuine and and he proved it on the night. And he will definitely grow from that win. There's just no way that that you don't go to a another level in terms of your own confidence. Um off the back of a win like that, it doesn't necessarily make him an elite level fighter. Lopez beating Lomachenko, I didn't necessarily think made him an elite level fighter. One big win doth not an elite level fighter make as far as as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. I like Haney as well. Um, great story. It, it's weird how with him, people look at him and, and tend to give him a little bit of a silver spoon tag because he's he signed a big money deal with zone and he's been moved well and he's got a very shrewd dad behind him who's, who's guided his career. But it's just not true because he turned pro when he was 16, 17. Had his first few in Mexico because he was too young to, to fight in the United States. He's 27 at 23 years old. Um, and he's been in with some serious fighters. So so that, that doesn't apply at all. So I think he's got the minerals to go to Australia and get the win. And if I had to pick one of them, I probably would slightly favour him because I think of the two of them, if you look at pure boxing skills, he is a better boxer than Cambosis, I think. Um, has he got has he got the the stones for it, basically? If Cambosis drags him into a hard fight, which I don't really have any doubt that he that he will. Um, my feeling is that Haney will be able to handle it, and that him being the visitor in Australia is not probably the disadvantage that being Dimitri Bivol in Las Vegas against Canelo is. <laughs> Yeah, the, the um, it's an intriguing fight. I mean, the you touched upon it there when you said when you met him in uh, London as well. And he's, I mean, one thing that struck me with him is he's got that kind of like almost like a uncanny, some would say crazy sense of self belief. Like it's almost as if he's one of these fighters and these people where he's so determined that you you know it gets to a point where he just thinks that this guy's just 
you know, this is one, this is, but it's probably his biggest strength, like literally having that in his arsenal where he generally believes that he is, you know, a top level fighter and he is going to beat Hayden. And it's probably the reason why he come through against Lopez because he suffered a pretty, you know, torrential first two minutes in that, in that fight and then come back and, you know, stuck it straight on Lopez after, which was a complete shock to everyone when, when, when he put him down. So, I mean, Tom, I'll go to you now. I mean, obviously with that self-belief and, kind of the home advantage and everything else that comes into this like he won't want to let his people down in front of a massive crowd in Australia I think there's going to be about 50 60,000 people there which is a huge turnout for kind of Australian boxing I mean where do you see the value in this one would you be would you be confident of backing Haney at 1.54 on a way turf in Australia I think the the fight that you kind of bring to mind when thinking about this is um, when Manny Pacquiao went to fight in, uh, I think it's Brisbane against Jeff Horn. I might be wrong with that. Um, and Horn got the decision. It was very contentious. I don't know how how you guys had it, but I didn't think it was the the robbery that a lot of... No, no way. There was nothing U- wrong with that decision. US fans and US media were saying it was, it was a close fight and Horn really roughed him up. Do I think... Horn would have got the same decision in America, you know, maybe not. But we don't really have enough kind of evidence of Australia as a, a judging hotbed or you know a dodgy kind of jurisdiction for um, decisions to be made. You know, dodgy decisions to be made. So I think you have to assume that Haney will get a fair crack, and I think that Cambosis probably, as Andy said, will drag him or or attempt to drag him into, into something like the the kind of trench warfare that Cambosis would really like. The issue I have with Cambosis' chances here is that Jojo Diaz, who was the last guy Haney fought, was meant to do exactly that thing. Diaz was an all-action fighter, um, kind of come forward, meant to really rough up Haney, who's a very technical, very sound, um, very good boxer, very pure boxer. And Haney won pretty much not every round, but maybe nine, 10 rounds of that fight and didn't look particularly bothered. I think he's got the, as Andy said, he, he's a young guy, he's 23. I think he's got the temperament to go to Australia. I think in terms of a style, it's, if not tailor-made for Haney, it's a very, very good stylistic matchup for him. And I think yeah. compared to someone like Tiafimo Lopez, who was drawn into the type of fight that Cambosis would like, and even Lee Selby was to an extent. Um, I think Haney won't be interested in it. Haney's not going to go there and be drawn into some kind of war. He's going to go and box to a plan. And the question is whether, kind of similar to what we were saying about Bivol, is whether he can do that enough. And I think probably he will. And I think in terms of the, the prices, what I find interesting about the price of Haney at 1.53, so as what's that, 60, just uh, less than 60%. I actually think that you take that fight out of Australia and put it into, I don't know, Staples Center or Vegas or somewhere like that. And I'd be making Haney a much shorter price. I'd be making him a, you know, one to three, 1.3, 1.25, firm, firm favorite to win and probably to win a decision against Cambosa. So I think the fact that it is in Australia, I think you are kind of seeing that um, built into the price. And I think that makes Haney a little bit backable um, as well. I don't think it's a bad price on Haney. And I think he will, I think he'll go and do a job on him. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a very, um, very valid and very good point you make about um, the Tiafimo Lopez fight, where he did get 
um, and get drawn in into that kind of dogfight. I don't think that I think that does play into Cambosis' hands, and I don't think that Haney's the sort of fighter that will get drawn into that, like you said. So I think that I think that I can yeah I can see where can see where it's going. It's a, it's a it's an intriguing fight. I think that Cambosis would have to start extremely fast and extremely quick to kind of set the pace and almost unsettle Haney and draw him into that. Whether Haney does that or not, I, I, I don't think he will. He's he's been pretty cool, calm and collected so far, hasn't he, with the the people that he's facing. Like you say, he is a good pure boxer and I think he's uh he's definitely I'd say he's got the experience as well. He's definitely he's definitely good enough and he's definitely probably experienced enough now to kind of come through and I think I'll I'd go with him to win that fight on on points personally. But um We'll go for our predictions there. I mean, Andy, where, how do you see it? Do you see the? Do you see another 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 fight that's going to go the distance here? Yeah, I do. I, I think I think Haney points, um, and I, I think, as I said, the the unanswered question with him at this kind of uh, level is that he'll need to demonstrate, as I said, the the fortitude to get through this kind of a fight when when things get rough. Which I don't really have any doubt that they will. He he won't want to play into Cambosis's hands at any point but at some stages I don't think he's really going to have any choice because Cambosis will just keep coming and coming and coming and coming right until the very end and I think it'll get difficult for him at times and he'll have to bite down and find an answer I just think that he will Uh, it might not be all that wide it could be it could be tight but I think he'll get it done Um, yeah I've always been a bit of a believer when it comes to him he had that wobble in the 10th against Linares that he got through and that's not a Bad things to have in the bank, you know. It's some evidence that that you that the, not everything has gone entirely his way. But um, yeah, Haney Haney points. Yeah, and uh, Tom, I know you touched on it just now, so I think that um, I can sense what you're going to predict here. But I'm presuming you're going to be uh, back in Haney on this one. Yep, I think so. Um, I think it's I think it's a reasonable price on him. Um, I think my prediction is is a Haney decision. I think it could be contentious i think it could be close i think if haney has built up a, a lead it's the type of lead that could be eaten into by that canvas this kind of ferocity and, and just stamina to kind of keep on chipping away um it w- i wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit controversial but i think haney probably wins just by a couple just by a couple yeah i think it'll be close i do i think it'll be close because canvas okay. just will not you know his his will to win is is you know he's 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 some he's some fella. I mean, yeah. It was interesting. You were talking earlier about fighters with rock solid confidence, and you know they need to be borderline delusional at times. And, and people, <laughs> yeah. people, they do. No, they do. Yeah, they agree, do. Yeah. You speak yeah. to fighters, so you're treading that fine line between being confident and deluded. Because sometimes you see something and believe something that nobody else does. He did against against Lopez. No one thought he was going to win. And during fight week, pretty you know people are probably thinking this bloke's off his head. Like he's just, <laughs> you know, of course he thinks he's going to win. But I mean, this is ridiculous. He's not going to beat Lopez. And then and then he did it. You know that that's that's where you need to. Yeah. That's where you yeah. need to be mentally. And it's just it's a prerequisite. What, what's his nickname? The Emperor. It, I think that says it all, doesn't it? You know, you don't call yourself that if you're short of um, a little bit of self belief. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We'll move on to the last fight that we're going to cover. Now, um, Arta Baturbia versus Joe Smith Jr. This fight has actually only just recently been announced, so officially announced. So the odds currently aren't on site with Pinnacle, but they will be up extremely shortly. And three belts at light heavyweight, same weight that Canelo will be boxing, Dimitri Bivol out of the weekend, uh, 
WBC, IBF, WBO. I mean, it's a it's a very 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 good fight. It's a very intriguing fight. It's a fight that I don't think is going to go the distance <laughs> like the uh, like the other two potentially, or some people might. But um, but but Terbiev is. I mean, I think he's boxing's only kind of champion with a hundred percent knockout rate. I could be wrong. Someone might want to correct me on that one, but I'm I'm sure he's got a hundred percent knockout rate and the current only world champion that does. So I mean, obviously, doesn't take a backward step. Concussive power, kind of in both hands. Currently, probably the wrong side of his career potentially at 37. So it's a it's something that needs to be factored in when betting on people like that. At, you know, that kind of age where they're kind of coming to up near up near 40. But he's obviously you know looking very strong in his last few fights. Joe Smith Jr. I would presume that Baterpia will be the the favourite in this. this. Is what we can we can only presume. I, I wouldn't imagine that. Joe Smith Jr. will come in as a favourite against Peterbiev. I mean, I'll go to you first, Tom. I mean, good fight. Um, firstly, I'm quite intrigued to know how you think this will actually kind of turn out in terms of a, a stylistic point of view, because I can't see either of these taking a backward step, if I'm honest. And secondly, obviously, with the comparison to you know, Canelo at the weekend, if Canelo does come through and Peterbiev does come through, it's obviously going to be a fight that, they're going to be chomping at the bit to make them fans and kind of betters are going to want to see. You touched upon it earlier where you saw, you think that the Terbiev might be the kind of fighter that would beat Canelo. First off, like, what's your thoughts on the fight with Joe Smith? And secondly, if that does happen, how would you kind of, I suppose, price up the Terbiev versus Canelo fight in terms of the odds? Uh, well, that's a tricky one. I mean, <laughs> for a long time, um, Bivol versus Baterbiev was the fight to make, wasn't it? And, with the Baterbiev Smith Jr. fight being announced as you know the the fight at, at light heavyweight, it's easy to forget that Bivol has already fought Smith Jr. and he won the vast majority of the rounds and made it look pretty pretty comfortable. So that kind of underlines just how good Bivol is here. And I think Smith Jr. is a fighter; it's easy to like. He's he's all action. He's a, a working class guy. Uh, I think he's probably given up the day job now, but for a long time he carried on with it. <laughs> I felt that he he had a, a bit of a tick over last time out. I felt that he really struggled against Maxime Vlasov. I thought he could have lost that fight. Um, and that was a really, really tough fight for him. And, and a lot of his fights are very kind of physical um, affairs. I think, yeah, like, I think it's a really tough fight for um, for Smith against Baterbiev. I think although we don't have odds available at the moment, I would say Baterbiev is going to come in a very, very firm favourite. I was thinking about this all day, actually, after you have kind of asked the question earlier. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Baterbiev at maybe 1.2, 1.3 tops, I, maybe even, um, you know, one to six on. So you're talking 1.1 X, really, um, 1.1.4, 1.1. I think you're asking the question of, in percentage terms, what chance do you give Joe Smith Jr. against Baterbiev? And unless Baterbiev is really on the slide, and we've been saying that for a long time, and yeah. he hasn't really been, he bludgeoned Marcus Brown um, at the end of last year, and Brown is a good fighter. Um, I can't give Joe Smith more than a 20% chance, really. Uh, and so that pins him at, you know, the four to one mark. And yeah, Baterbiev has to be down at one one to five, 1.2-ish. Um, in terms of Baterbiev Canelo, I mean, that's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because if it happens, if it happens, Canelo will have beaten not only Kovalev, but he will have beaten Bivol. And so he would be 
arguably on paper the man at light heavyweight, although Baterbiev would have beaten Joe Smith as well. So Canelo would be the favourite um, just because he's Canelo and, you know, he would have proven his mettle, but he's he's always going to be the the A-side. But I think it would be close. I think he would be kind of no, no wider than... Uh, that's, that's a really tricky. No wider than kind of one point four. Yeah, I think so. About about two 1. to 4, five. 4, maybe one point five seven, one point five three. But I think yeah, maybe four to seven. If it gets to sort of four to six, um, so one point six, one point seven, even one point eight against the Paterbiev, who's going to be thirty, probably eight, eight thirty nine by the time they fight. If they fight, then that would start looking pretty interesting on Canelo. But I think probably one one five, yeah, one point five ish, yeah. And I mean, obviously with that as well, it depends on how, like you said, you touched upon there, how the fights actually play out as well. Because if Canelo does do a kind of great job on Bivol, then he might, you know, the odds are going to fluctuate even better in his favour. If Paterpiev looks slightly a little bit vulnerable against someone of Joe Smith's level, then, you know, we could see that. But hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, it's, uh, it, they don't and it's an intriguing one. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry, just to say, look, if Canelo wipes out Bivol in two rounds and Bivol's yeah. uh, Baterbi scrapes past Joe Smith Jr. with a, a robbery, then, you know, all yeah. bets are off and those those odds would be revisited completely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The um, I mean, Andy, I'll go to you with this this one first. With I mean, obviously, with the Baterbi versus Joe Smith Jr. fight, in terms of how you see it playing out, what's your kind of initial thoughts after the announcement of this? Do you see... Because Joe Smith Jr. is a very good fighter and he often does go, if he has lost, he often goes the distance when he when he does lose. So do you think that this is a fight that will go the distance or do you see, I mean, it's a tough one to kind of put, put your finger on, but it's I can't see these two taking a backward step here, to be honest. No, and I think that'll be to, to Joe Smith's detriment. I think there is a gap between these two in terms of levels in, in boxing ability. But to be able to a really good amateur, uh, world amateur champion, European amateur champion. I, I did a few of his first handful of fights as a pro and, and I became sort of, sort of semi-obsessed with him, to be honest, because he was so good to watch and because his story was unusual. He ended up in Canada. as a lot of really good overseas fighters did. Yvon Michel managed to sign up a lot of really good ones. You know, you've got Stevenson and and, and Pascal from Haiti, um, Alvarez and Rivas from Colombia. You know, it's a very interesting thing he had going on up there. Uh, and loads of people were after him and he managed to get the signature and you could just see how good he was right from the very beginning, how economical he was, how ruthlessly efficient he was. And he's maintained that all the way through. Okay, he is 37, but he's not exactly got many miles on the clock. He's had 81 rounds as a pro. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and the hardest fight he's been in, and it was a hard fight, was against Alexander Gavostik, who he ultimately stopped in the 10th um, to unify the the IBF and the WBC. But he was down on a couple of cards at the time, not to the extent that he couldn't have turned them around, but but that's the biggest test he's had. And unfortunately for Joe Smith, I think I think he will receive a what will turn into a sustained beating and the corner will will pull him out because he won't quit. I think yeah. somebody will have to do it for him. And that might sound a bit disrespectful. And I don't mean it to because Baturbiev has done that to a lot of people, um, but that's what I expect to see happen. If he and Canelo were to box tomorrow, um, I would pick Baturbiev because oh, I think that he can. He, I think that he can dig that bit harder, really, than anybody else. To, mm. to be honest with you, and it will be hard enough. And he likes it up close. He likes it at short range. He's got that kind of block-like physique himself. 
Yeah. I think he would beat Canelo. But having said that, he was put down by Callum Johnson and he was in trouble against Callum Johnson. And, and Callum, yeah. I know, looks back on that now and thinks, ah, like that was my chance. I needed to jump on him. And, 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 you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, he, he didn't. And you can understand why he didn't. But, um, uh, that's always been the one for me, Canelo Baturbiev. And, and not that long ago, people were talking about that fight and saying, ah, we don't want to see that. You know, what more do you want from the guy? But we see what he's done since then. And now that is what people want. Um, yeah, it's a mouthwatering prospect if they both win, of course, which I personally, I think I think they will. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point that you said as well there, which is about that he did get rocked by Callum Johnson. It's, I mean, where do you guys stand on that with terms of, I suppose, when you're betting on boxing, you're betting on fights? Because we've seen it with quite a lot of fighters early on, more, I suppose more earlier on in their careers, where they'll get kind of dropped by someone that we would say like a lesser level, which happened to, I mean, he didn't get dropped, but Canelo, I remember he was rocked quite heavily against, um, I think it was Cotto's, I'm not sure if his brother or his cousin, but the surname Cotto. Um, and he, uh, that was probably the only time that I can remember him being significantly hurt. But I think at the time he was like 19 or something like that. So you can kind of forgive him. But Terbiev obviously is older, but he gets dropped by um, uh, Callum Johnson, like I said. And you've got people like, I suppose, other examples of someone like, you know, like a Connor Ben who gets dropped by a Cedric Pienard and people like that. Do you think that, and I'll go to you first, but Tom, do you think that in terms of if you're betting on boxing, do you think that once they've been dropped like that or they or they've been rocked badly it's almost it's there because sometimes you get fighters like who you just we touched on it earlier where Canelo for example has got a rock solid chin and you almost know that they they're not that they can't get knocked out any fighter can get knocked out but they're not going to get knocked out whereas sometimes with other fighters like a Paterbia for example that you had the fact that he has been in trouble heavily against a Callum Johnson if that was a Canelo in there with him who landed them punches and at, at the time when Andy touched upon it where Callum was, you know, kicking himself that he didn't follow up on that, a Canelo probably would follow up on that. So is that a case of, you know, in terms of how you look at that, is that something that when you're betting on boxing, you look at their, you know, their past history of being hurt or such? All you can do when you're, you're weighing up a bet is to really... When it comes to things like knockdowns, look at the evidence on off because otherwise it's just kind of conjecture. And if you know that a guy can be hurt and you, you know that you've seen a guy hurt, it's much easier to envisage that happening again. It's easy to forget, though, that anyone can be hurt by anyone in any fight. And sometimes they just haven't fought the, the guy who can do that to them or they haven't fought enough times or they fought a different, you know. And it, I think it's sometimes too simplistic just to say, well, I saw this guy rocked against this other guy who, who was actually a really good fighter in his own right and a really big, a really big puncher like Callum Johnson was. So it, it definitely yeah, that, helps. That's, that's, that's worth remembering as well, isn't it? Callum Johnson yeah, yeah, is a big puncher. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's, there's no denying that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, it's something, it's, it's quite intriguing when you get kind of guys who they do get, you know, like we said, dropped earlier on. And then when they get to kind of a higher level, as we say, they, they end up being kind of, you know, watertight and you don't see them getting dropped. I mean, I know Conor Ben, for example, but if you, when I first watched Conor Ben at your call in that fight and he's getting dropped by Cedric Pierdard, you wouldn't think that he would, you know, go on to kind of improve to that level. And I know that he's boxing guys at the minute who are kind of a bit over the hill, but he definitely has improved a lot defensively. And I couldn't see if he went in with Cedric Pierdard now even if he was to get tagged like that, I couldn't see him see him going down. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, kind of comparison. I think that with the Perbia one, I kind of sit with, I think 
it's yeah, it's probably the, the fight that if I was to see Canelo losing at the minute, it would be Paterbia, but I'd still probably slightly favour Canelo. I think that's just the fact that it is Canelo and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on um, this week. I mean, in terms of the Paterbia, um, Joe Smith fight, then I'll go to you, Andy, just to, to wrap things up, as we say, what's your uh, official big fight prediction for this one? I'd say the corner saves him after eight rounds. And uh, Tom, uh, you, uh, are you going, going for another points decision or are you going to go for a pick a stoppage? Mm. I am going to say, I don't think Paterbi of Canelo ever happens, by the way. I think by the time yeah. that, you know, if Canelo fights Golovkin next. Um, yeah, yeah, good point. With the promotional issues, when was the last good time point. Canelo worked with a top, you know, top rank? It's, I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, I think for Paterbi of Smith, I think, yeah, I, I, I'd be very surprised if that went the distance. I think... But Terbiev isn't quite the the guy who's getting it done early these days. And Smith is as game and as tough as they come. I think probably around the midway point. And if I had to go either side of midway, I would go slightly later. I think eight is quite a good shout, but let's say let's say maybe nine or ten. Nice. I mean, yeah, that's uh that just to wrap wraps things up for today. So um for all of our listeners that have been listening to us on the Punch of Chance podcast, for all the odds that we've talked about or discussed, uh, they're all available at pinnacle.com. And remember to always gamble responsibly.